Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of our mindset and how by changing our viewpoint of ourselves and others, this opens up the possibility for causing fundamental shifts in our lives. We will also be getting a lesson in energy, consciousness, and quantum physics along the way. It is my pleasure to welcome Rhiannon Rees to the show. Rhiannon is a human behavior expert and international high-performance coach, helping CEOs, businesses, elite athletes, coaches, and celebrities to redefine their level of success. Rhiannon is a best-selling author, thriving entrepreneur, and a global speaker whose personal sufferings led her to search for answers and into a 30-year study of human behavior. Compelled to help others, she has continued to invest in education in the fields of self-development, neuroscience, and business. Rhiannon is founder of the Conscious Coaching Collective and has demonstrated success in creating champions. An accomplished expert in her field, Rhiannon was awarded Global Visionary of the Year 2021 by IAOTP. It is my pleasure to welcome Rhiannon Rees to the show. Hey, great to be here, Christina. I'm so excited about our conversation. I want to help as many people as we can. Well, and I really think that you will. I think that this is going to be an amazing conversation and I can't wait to jump right in. So why don't we begin by hearing a little bit more about you and your background and how you launched your professional and personal path? Well, I've been very blessed with many tragedies in my life. And at that point in time, when I was going through them, there's no way I thought they were a blessing. Like while you're going through them, they're very tough and they're heart-wrenching and they strip who you are, like right back to the core of what's important in your life, you know, what's what really matters because now things are being taken away or there's drama or, you know, what to look at. So a lot of questions come up in those times and it's only looking back with the life that I have now, which is amazing, that I can go, oh, right, I got that skill from this and I got that skill from that and I got that direction from that. So all of those traumas and hardships allowed me to really go to the core of who I am and to decide for me moving forward what's really, really important in my life, like what really matters in my life. And what really matters to me is my family, my friends and my faith and to really like dive into life and have the most experiences that you can because it's so fleeting. So, of course, having that as sort of a backdrop, I've had so many jobs, like I've travelled to 50 countries. I've, you know, I've had amazing, amazing experiences that most people wouldn't have in a lifetime. And also because of the nature of the experiences I went through, it 
cracked my heart wide open. So I had this backdrop of wanting to help people, like really wanting to free people from the shackles that bind them. So that sort of led me into, you know, I did a business degree first, then I got into health and wellness and I ran very big companies. Like by the age of 23, 24, I was managing $50 million accounts across, you know, three or four different types of manufacturer with eight different buyers. That's unbelievable. Wow. That's incredibly impressive. Thank you. I set up a brand new business with no product knowledge for a company and I couldn't even describe the product. I had to actually use the specialist to describe the product because it was a tax law accounting product. And by the end of the year, we had, it was over $2 million. We had 800 customers. So it's, you know, and, and obviously now I'm in health and wellness and I'm a coach and I've worked with the Spice Girls and Gillian Anderson and, you know, Olympians and all of that. So I've had I would never have imagined I would be here 10 or 12 years ago when I was living in a tent on food bank handouts. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I know that these may be some painful experiences and we can gloss over it as much as you want, but I, you have such an inspirational story. And I think that there will be people among our listenership that likewise have experienced very difficult circumstances and may be really struggling and will be very inspired by your story. Yeah, so that was the last of the big, you know, painful tragedies I went through was in a very short space of time. I lost my home, my business, my marriage and my mind. Like basically what happened was I came home one day to find my husband in my sexy black lacy lingerie finishing a job interview over the phone and I thought, oh, well, what wow. is this? You know, I was totally, well, we've been together for 10 years, right? So it's just not, and everyone sort of says, well, you must have known. I'm like, I didn't have a clue because he was quite, you know, macho, like, you know, mm-hmm. he was in a AAA hockey league and a mechanic and a skier. So there was nothing that ever made me think, oh, there's anything feminine about my husband. He, he finished the job interview and he took my hands and he said, I've always wanted to be a woman. Wow. And at that stage, I wasn't sure if that's like a fetish or what does that mean? But it turns out that he was transgender and he had a full sex change and he became a woman. Well, because it's a lot to handle, mm-hmm. I didn't realise I was in shock for three years. And so when you're in shock or when you're off kilter, not in balance, you start to make bad decisions. And that's really key for the listeners is at what point do you start to make bad decisions? That's when you need to stop and reassess and see, I never stopped because what I did was I had a staff of 35 um, people and my payroll was 30,000 every two weeks. So I just figured because when he left, so did a lot of my income supply and the business was struggling and I had a one-year-old child and I thought, you know what, what if we house it for a few weeks, that'll free up more money to make the payroll. And I thought that was a great idea. Mm-hmm. The only problem was that that few weeks turned into three years. And in that three years, I had done 40 house sits. And at the end of the 40 house sits, I was just too tired. I just asked my girlfriend if I can borrow a tent. And I'm just like, how does someone who's gone to university end up like this? Like, it was like Will Smith's pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, worst place of it I was waking my son up at 3 a.m going to clean restaurants to make more money to make sure I covered the payroll then looking after the you know taking my son to daycare and you know working all day at the spa and looking after the girls and then picking him up and then doing the same thing but what I didn't realize was the my husband's 
actually coming out like that. I just lost my mind. And so it took me sort of three years to get my mind back. And, the, you know, obviously then I'm going through a, a separation and all of that as well. So my mum called during that time and said that she was quite ill. And, and I thought I'm one of eight children. I thought if anything happens to my mum and I can't figure a way out of this, I'll never forgive myself. And so the second that there was something more important put in front of me I had that solved in mm. like four days whereas for three years I was going round and round praying to God please God can you change this please God like how have I ended up here but the second it was my mum's health I got on the phone I called all my friends I said I need money and points so I got money and points came back to Australia she was in a difficult situation so we were in housing commission so I looked after her for about six months while her health recovered and then I had to look at myself and go, right, I've lost absolutely everything. I have six-figure debt. What am I going to do? And, you know, it's, the burden was massive, Christina. Like I'm just like how, like, how have I ended up here with this huge debt? I have nothing. I'm wearing my mum's clothes to work. I've got this debt. I've lost everything and I don't want to start again at 40. You know, like why would I want to start again at 40? But you know what? I looked at my boy who was then four and a half mm-hmm. and he deserved a life. And so that was my motivator was to give him a life. And so I started with tiny, weeny things. Like I ran into this girl and she said, you'd be a great coach. And I'm like, yeah, okay, coaching. And it turns out that this coaching is like $35,000 for a 10-day course. And at that time I was making about $500 a month because my wow. expenses had been so high. And if I raised $35,000... That's seven years worth of income. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? The, the will and the desire inside, the fire inside my belly to change my life was so huge. I'm like, you know what, whatever it takes. And it was very messy getting that money together. Like, you know, the banks kept saying no. I kept going back to the banks. They keep saying no. But I never quit. Like, it has honed my perseverance and it has honed my tenacity and like if I want something I just go out and get it and the thing is because it was so hard to make that money happen and I made it happen like you know four years ago I decided like you know what if I can just whip up a house deposit go buy a house like how fast could I whip up a house deposit because my skill set in acquiring money is so much better now because I've had so much practice mm-hmm. so I the bank said sure you can uh, you can buy a house, no problems, you can carry that. And I'm like, okay. And they said, but you will need your deposit on this day. And, you know, most people spend five, ten, long time, years collecting a house deposit. And I thought to myself, well, what if, what if I could just, how fast could I do one? So I woke up on the morning that it was due and it was 8 o'clock and I thought, well, I'll give it to 11. And um, at 11 I came up with 10 different ways because most people go, well, I tried one way and that didn't work. And within five minutes I had a house deposit. And I'm like, you know, bought the house like within the week. And I'm like, there's no such thing as a problem. Problems are illusions because we just don't have the skill set to solve it because we keep looking through the same lens going, well, I do it this way, I do it this way. So we have a habituated response. And the benefit of all this tragedy is, my God, did it unlock creativity in my mindset, in my thought, in my powers to solve things because there's no way that my son was not going to have a proper meal or clothes on his back or one day go to Disneyland and all of that's happened. But the driver was I wanted to provide for my child. So I think 95% of people are anaesthetised, they live in comfy land and there's no reason for them to ever see what they're made of. But I tell you what, this year might have changed that. I would imagine, and we're going to get to that a little bit later about 
what your experience has been. I mean, obviously there's been a lot of world tragedy and tumult, and we'll get into that a little bit more later with the fires and the natural disasters and COVID and the political and racial unrest, not just in the States, but around the world. You know, you've experienced a lot and you definitely had motivation to turn your life around. You mentioned your son. Is there a particular moment with everything that happened in your life? We know what your motivation is. It's caring for your son. It was being there for your mother. But can you point to sort of one moment where it was an inflection point where things just started to turn around significantly for you? As in things improving? Yes, yes. Well, for sure, the second that I got the call that my mum was ill, then I had to solve that because how much time do I have? And if she passes away, how do I ever forgive myself? So that was a massive, like, you got to solve this now, mm-hmm. you know? And the thing is, too, like, for me, that was a life and death moment. Like, what happens if I lose my mum? So the, the situation I couldn't solve for three years, even though, my God, that was so painful, like, you know, house sitting and all of that, on some level, there must have been some level of comfort in doing the house sitting and whatever because I didn't change it for myself. But as soon as it was put in front of me that, hey, this potentially could be a life and death moment, I had that solved in four days. Like, sure, it wasn't pretty because we were in housing commission and all of that, but I had that solved. But it wasn't just that. It was tiny, weeny things. Like when I raised all that money to go to Vegas to do the coach training, which was amazing, I was only like six months out of the tent by then. Wow. And all of these people in this training course, they're all like the CEOs of massive organisations and then there's me. But at the end of the two weeks, everyone asked who was the most inspirational person in the course and everybody in that course said me. They said, she's the most inspirational person in the course. And I went, right, I'm inspirational. <laughs> so, you know, I, I yeah, no, seriously, because I hadn't thought of that before. So I, I decided I'd hang on to that inspiration and I'd use that somehow as building block in my business. Like that for me was, okay, we all agree I'm inspirational. Let's use that. And it was tiny, weeny wins. Like I remember when I started my coaching business because every second person's a coach. So, you know, so many people said to me, why would you become a coach? Because every, everyone else is a coach. I'm like, yeah, but I only have to be a good coach. Like I don't care that there's everyone else a coach. Like as long as I'm a good coach, we're good. So I remember I'd gotten to a place where I didn't have a client for four months and I still had this debt and we're in a housing commission. I really need to make some money. And I had this guy that was interested in coaching, but he just would never return my calls. So I started to call him and I must have called him like 30 times, but I never left a, a, ever left a message so that I'm not going to ha- harass him. I just wanted to actually get him live on the phone. Like when I get him live on the phone, I can talk to him. So finally, after 30 calls, like most people would quit after 10. They'd be right. like, oh, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like the Kentucky Fried story. Like that guy was trying to share his recipe with restaurants, you know, just give me one cent per plate and I'll share my fabulous recipe for for chicken. And they all said no. And he got a thousand no's before someone said, all right, then we'll give you a cent. And now hasn't everybody eaten Kentucky Fried, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Fortunately and unfortunately. (laughs) That's exactly right. Let's just say fortunately. So that's the thing is, you know, I finally got this guy and I I went to this meeting. I was a brand new coach. I'd been coaching for four four months. My skill set was not great. I didn't really know very much. And I knew I had to have him as a client or my family's going to be in you know, a deep, bad situation. 
So, so it was about having my radar on going, how can I help him? What can I give him of value? How can I benefit this man that he will need to work with me because I show more than enough value that it's going to be an easy decision for him to work with me? So I turn up in his restaurant. He had a very big restaurant. And there's papers all over his desk, which doesn't look similar to mine right now. <laughs> and I could see a big tax bill there. He had a really big tax bill. And somehow he started, you know, telling me he was very, like, you know, stressed about, about this tax bill. He said, oh, my God, I've got this big tax bill and how am I going to And, I, you know, because I had juggled so much in my previous business, the one that, you know, had 35 staff, like, I'm like, that's easy to handle. So I said, let's just call the tax office. Let's just make a plan. He goes, what? I'm like, yeah, let's just call the tax office. Let's just see. And so, so by the end of that session with him, I'd already, I'd already solved a problem with him that that huge tax bill was now something so tiny because we'd organised a payment plan with the tax office to make it absolutely ridiculously small that then he's like, how do I work with you? And that's the thing is sometimes it's about getting out of our own way that we can find a way to to help the other person like what is it what can we do for them rather than what is it about us Mm -hmm. so as soon as I went in there I wanted to show him some value and isn't it funny I saw that tax bill I'm like and I could hear he was stressed about it I'm like let's fix it and I worked with him for about two years and he was my one of my first clients that's phenomenal I love that story and you know you are very much a very inspirational person I know we haven't gotten to know each other all that well as of yet I I think we would be very fast friends and hang out a lot together if we lived, you know, near near each other. You have many different talents that you bring to the table as a coach and in your relationships with people and organizations. How would you describe looking at everything that you do, especially through the lens of who you are today? How would you describe all of the various facets of what you're currently up to? And why do you find these things important and how do they resonate with the people that you work with? Well, I think that to, to encompass all of that into a nutshell, the best way to s- describe it is I'm a business and human behaviour detective. And I think because I'm a detective, like no stone is unturned, I'm looking for a key. I'm looking for a key that gives my clients freedom and that freedom could be financial, emotional, mental, physical, it could be whatever it is. But what, wherever they are stuck and they need the key, I'm looking for the key. And I'm like a dog with a bone. So once I get into their business and understand you know, where the issues are, I won't stop till I find that key. And once we've got the first key, the all, all the other keys just show up. It's kind of like a Harry Potter thing. You just go in, you find the first key, and then all the other, it, it becomes like dominoes because it, they one run on the board will compound, and that's how you can get a 200 500% increase in gross revenue in people's businesses because you get that first run. Like I had this girl I worked with and her family had lost everything in the GFC in 2008 and they were very, very wealthy. Like they literally owned an empire. So overnight they lost the whole lot. But her father had taken a shotgun and he was going to take his, you know, blow his brains out and he decided last minute not to do it because he's like, oh, my God, what about my family? How are they going to survive? So he came back and he told them the story. Well, all she could ever hear is the subconscious mindset. All she could ever hear was, 
if you make a lot of money and you lose it, somebody dies. So working with her as a client, I couldn't get her to make any money. She wouldn't make one cent because she had this subconscious mindset, you know, self-limiting belief that she wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. But if I make money and I lose it, somebody dies. So it wasn't until I could transform that belief, which took a really long time because I I couldn't get the key to it. Once I got the key to it and we transformed it, the next year her business was worth 50 grand. Sorry, I think it was about, no, I think she did about 60 grand. The year after she did 125 and by the third year she was turning over $500,000. Wow. Like what started out as a $400 job in three years' time was a $35,000 job. And that's the key is when you get that first key, then everything starts to just compound. And that's the joy for me. I like the detective stuff. And I think because I've got a background as a homeopath in human behaviour, observation and business, most coaches just do not have that finesse with the observation skills and they don't think it's important because they're looking at P&Ls. Let, let's look at the profit and loss and see how we can reduce expenses and increase sales, which is important, but there's no way you'll find a key because we all have self-limiting beliefs that protect us and keep us on the path that we believe that we should be on based on who we think we are and our identity and our values. So if you think you're a generous person, you're going to keep being a generous person. If you don't like dogs, well, the dogs aren't going to like you either. So it's about, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So it's about finding what makes people tick and unlocking the, the shackles that bind them mentally and emotionally and when you do they can achieve anything and that's what I do that's what I do I turn people into champions and then we build a business plan and away they go so I have to ask you so you're a homeopath and I'd love to hear and I'm sure the listeners would too would would love to hear a little bit more about that and you're obviously really good at observing and you know very almost like a scientific sort of approach to it right but one of the things I would love to hear more about is intuition how do you yeah. use your intuition? Do you tap into people in a in more like an empathic way to try to figure out how best to help them? Didn't you tell me you were a lawyer? Yes. <laughs> and an engineer <laughs> I love, too. Yeah. I, I love this. This is awesome. Well, the intuition is so important and so fundamental and I use it all the time. Like it's something I've honed through meditation and, you know, my spiritual practices. I've ha- absolutely honed that because fundamentally we are emotional beings having a physical experience in this human body. And if you think that words are only 7% of communication, Seven percent of so every word that I speak to you now, the meaning it translates is only seven percent because the other ninety three percent happens in tone and mm-hmm. gestures and breathing and all of that. So when you tap into your intuition, you have a knowing and an understanding that can absolutely catapult your life and guide you to fulfil your soul purpose and your destiny on the planet. Like in the Indigenous culture in Australia. I love the story about how they perceive things. They talk about that as humans, we have three different brains, which is, and it's, and now they're talking about this scientifically as well. They, we know that the gut has the same type of tissue, genetic tissue as what's in the brain. So there are neural pathways that are actually, they're identical in some way. So the gut does have a brain. So in the indigenous culture, they talk about the gut brain. Then they talk about the heart brain and then they talk about the little tiny brain at the top of your head, at the top of your body, called your brain, mm-hmm. and they call that nundupro. 
and that translates to tangled fishing net. So why would you use your tangled fishing net if you didn't use the other two? So you don't ever make decisions if it doesn't include your gut and your heart. Well, that little brain on the top of your, at the top of your body, that's a tiny brain. So I use my intuition all the time to guide me in my life and how, where I decided to cement my intuition was when I was in India, I was in a earthquake and it was the worst earthquake they'd had in 150 years. And the night before the earthquake, I had this, like, let's say, call it a voice, a feeling or something that came through me that told me to leave. And I was very, very sick. And the last thing you do is travel alone as Mm -hmm. a white woman in India. There's no way you're going to be traveling at night. Like that's the dumbest thing you can do. But this, this voice, this knowing, this feeling says leave. And I didn't. I just stayed there. And then like 20 minutes later it says you need to leave. And then, you know, like half an hour later I felt like this voice knowing feeling was yelling at me, you have to leave. So anyway I decided, okay, I'll leave. I, that's, I really trusted it and I left. I, long and as short of it is, it's a long story so I'll shorten it, is I ended up getting a bus to Rajasthan, which was eight hours north of, of where I was in Gujarat. And when I landed, when the bus actually dropped me off, within two minutes of the bus dropping me off, a massive earthquake hit. And all I could think is, oh, please don't let the ground open up because if I get swallowed up, I'm dead. Mm -hmm. But the buildings were coming down around me and there's lots of screaming and, like, just you can imagine, just, like, chaos. Wow. And then later on I found out, like, when it all settled down and everything, I went and found this tiny little TV set in the corner of somewhere. It was like the TV was a few inches wide, a few inches high. And they, it said that the place that I had just come from in Gujarat, which was called Buj, was one of the epicenters of the quake. And they estimated that about 16,000 people died. Oh, my goodness. So, wow. So I was just like, oh, my God, thinking about how I'd actually left and why I'd left and what made me leave. And from that point on, if I ever get that feeling, sense, you know, words, whatever it is, I just do it. So right now, if I got that sense, I have to finish the interview. I'd have to say, sorry, Christine, I have to finish the interview. Don't worry, I have to it. That's all good. But that's how my faith is rock solid. Like intuition is key and people don't give it the time of day. So what happens is they live their life from a place of ego, not from a soul-centered heart place because they're not invested in that yet. Do you work with people to try to get to that place? Yeah, of course. Like it sort of filters in through all of my work. So it does, I have exercises and things like that. And obviously meditation is key, but there's, that's just the base of it all. There's so many things I do to help people understand how to harness that and how to tap into it. And you'll do it to different degrees because obviously it's a practice, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you are a detective and acclaimed human behavior expert, an executive and elite performance coach and a self-development expert and an entrepreneur. And you are part of something called the Conscious Coaching Collective. Can you explain what that is and how it sort of, you know, weaves into the fabric of what we've been talking about the past few minutes? Yeah, so I'm all about shifting the consciousness on the, of the planet, which is what we're in right now, because everything that's happening to us right now with corona and before that we had the fires and the floods, again, it's sort of what is really important to your life. Like when you have a bad situation, what's really important, it actually hones that path of a heart-centred, on-purpose life. And so that's why it's called the Conscious Coaching Collective, because the more conscious that we all are on the planet, as a collective, the more that we will shift the paradigm that we live in, 
paradigm shift, right? Yeah. So we will have a massive paradigm shift in our lives by shifting our consciousness. So it comes down to what is important and the space that you want to live by. And my space, like on my website, you'll see it says loving kindness is my philosophy because that's fundamental basis for everything. And then the consciousness opening people's minds up to this collective consciousness is key. And I do it through a course called Business FX because obviously a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners want help, but it's all woven into the fabric of that course. Everything I do is woven in. So I believe that once we shift the consciousness, the world will change and the actual energetic nature of the world, the quality of the energy will shift and we will feel it. And we're going through that now. Like we are in the darkest hours before dawn because we're having a shift in our consciousness in terms of corona, black lives matter, all lives matter. Everything that's going on is shifting our consciousness. So that's what I do. I weave that into my work. So why don't we, we've touched on these already, but why don't we take a minute to talk about energy, spirituality, quantum physics. Um, These are all things that I've been reading a lot about and have just been fascinated by for well over 20 years now. I think that, as you said, we're in an inflection point, I think, as a world. And I think that these things, and I I, I don't believe in coincidences, I, I do think that this is part of the world and Mother Earth evolving. And, and it's something that we are meant to experience, to draw lessons from. Why don't we touch a little bit about on, on energy and spirituality and quantum physics, which are things that I would imagine that the very fact-oriented, scientifically-based folks that you may work with may not really understand when you first start working with them and and how they fit into the whole puzzle. Well, see, the thing is absolutely everything is energy first and you can't destroy or create energy. Energy is constant. Energy is a constant. And so when you start to understand the power of energy and you can feel it and harness it, and then you can actually use things like the reticular activating system, which produce, which is in the back of your mind. It's, it's a little part of your anatomy that doesn't know if it's true or not. And when we feed that information, it can actually produce quantum results. So we, if we use our logical mind, our logical mind says, well, we can do this in this amount of time and we can have this amount of growth or this, this, you know, it has to happen this way because logically we understand it to be like that. Whereas when you shift into the quantum field, just like my house deposit, your results can be instant. And that's the thing is a lot of people are still stuck in when I see it, I'll believe it. Whereas the actual truth is it's the exact opposite. It is when I believe it, I'll see it. And as soon as you believe it, you will manifest it and it becomes you. Like when you become your outcome energetically, then you will draw it just like a magnet to you. So it's harnessing all of these things like the reticular activating system, energy, having a spiritual path in terms of like your heart-centered soul purpose. doesn't matter what religion you are. It's like what are you here on the planet doing? And when you delve into this quantum field, with that level of consciousness and an energetic, intuitive realm, the quality of your life shifts dramatically. Like a lot of my clients come to me and they're all in tears, like I don't have enough money, this isn't working, that's not working. And fundamentally I'm tuning them into their heart-centered, soul-purpose life 
and showing them these skill sets as we go through building business. And at the end, when they finish working with me, they just laugh all the time, having holidays with their families, enjoying their life because that's the key. We are here to enjoy our life. And a lot of people, if you're a scientist or an engineer or an accountant or a logical thinker, maybe a lawyer. Yeah, maybe a lawyer. <laughs> excluding you, excluding you. This is not a realm that you'll look at because everything I'm talking about, you can't see it. You, it, it you're not going to see any of this. You, you'll feel it. You'll know it. You'll, it'll show up in different ways, but you have to believe it first to see it. And then you need to deepen that practice and understanding inside yourself so that you become finely tuned to how it works and how it feels. Like, for example, when I wake up in the morning, I kind of give myself a score, like how do I feel? And you, and it's out of 100. And usually it's like I feel like somewhere between 115 and 147. If I get to 98, because I'm super energetic and, you know, really optimistic, that's my nature. But if I get to 98 and that score, oh my God, we better be doing something. And I've been looking at all the practices that I do going, what haven't I done? Did I sleep well? Did I eat well? Did I do my meditation? Have I gone for my walk? To make sure that I'm in my peak performance, my champion mindset. And all of those quantum physics, subconscious mind, energetic, intuitive principles, I just live and breathe them. That's just how I move through my world. And I'm a very happy, joyful person. Do I have obstacles to overcome? Oh, God, yes. Are they easy to overcome? Yes, because I give them that quality and that label. Because if I go into something, I don't want to say that's going to be hard because then my my logical brain will kick in and go, oh, it's going to be hard. And all of a sudden your energy and the nature of your being will shift into that's going to be hard, whereas it's so much you'll do so much more quantum intuitively, energetically, when you give that situation a better quality. So why decide it's going to be hard? I'd rather decide it's going to be easy. So, yeah, it's all practices that you, that you need to do daily to actually go down that realm. And it's very finely tuned. So the more that you become sensitive to it and the more that you play in that realm, the more you can harness it for the greater good, not just for you, for everyone else. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And I really look forward to delving into this more in, in our second half. It's hard to believe that uh, the first segment of our conversation is winding down. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners and where can they find you? So, so you can either go to consciouscoaching.coach or you can have a look at what I put on Facebook or LinkedIn which hasn't been as much lately. I've had a little break from that. So consciouscoaching.coach and the business FX course, I teach all of this through that. Yeah, that's how you can, that's how you can reach me. Well, I've really loved the first part of our conversation together and I'm really looking forward to digging deeper in our next segment. Me too. Sounds great. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you have enjoyed part one of our conversation with Rhiannon Rees and that you will join us next week for part two of our conversation. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.